Welcome to the Expatcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this week's episode is very exciting for two reasons. The first is it's the first episode that I recorded in my new apartment, which was exciting and slightly nerve-wracking because the whole podcasting setup is totally different and I had no idea how the sound quality would be in the new place, Um, but it turned out fine, so that's great. And also really exciting because now it's starting to feel more like a home, you know? It's not just this place that I'm living in and sleeping in. I'm getting house plans. I'm throwing a housewarming party this weekend. And and as of this week, I've recorded my first podcast episode in it. So it really is somewhere special now. <laughs> so that's reason number one. This week's episode is exciting. Reason number two is our guest. So you may have heard the name Gordon in a few different places, really. So my boyfriend Gordon gets thanked every week for helping me produce the show. I reference him often when talking about my life, and he's been on the show a couple times, but typically more as a co-host. This episode, however, he was the guest, and I got to ask him questions about his experience growing up as someone who is half American and half German and grew up back and forth. So I know the topic of being bicultural or even this concept of the third world kid is really a hot topic in the expat scene, especially you parent listeners out there who may be raising kids in that kind of a scenario. And I'm really excited to bring you this episode where we get to hear from an adult who grew up in that way. So I hope you guys enjoy getting to hear from Gordon. So my name's Gordon, and I'm currently living in Freiburg, and I'm sort of from everywhere and nowhere, so it's kind of difficult to to pinpoint that. And that's exactly what we're here to talk about today. (laughs) So great transition into the gut of things. (laughs) You have no quick, simple answer of where you're from, but when people are like, so how did that work? What does that mean? What do you do? So I'm half German and I'm half American. That's why I speak fluent English and fluent German. And that's because my mom is American, my dad German, and I was born in Germany and spent the first couple of years of my life in Germany. But after that, I spent the rest of my life up until now moving back and forth between Germany and America almost every one to two years, essentially. And then finally, during high school time, I came back and stayed for longer times in Germany. But even when I did stay in one country, like let's say two years in Florida or two years in Germany, I was never really on the same spot. So we even then moved back and forth within the within the country itself. I, I usually tend to say the, the, the longest I've ever spa- stayed in one space, like living wise, was grade school. So like four years. After that, every year, every two years somewhere else. And was that planned? Like, was that like a schedule? It was like, okay, it's been a year, it's been two years. No, not at all. My parents just couldn't really make up their mind where the hell they're going to live. <laughs> right. And that was because... Because they can never make up their mind about anything. <laughs> no, my mom lived in Germany and then at some point she wanted to live in America. And my dad is the type of person who hates the place he lives in at the moment, finds another place, finds a beautiful things. Everything's great there. The weather, the people, the the temperature moves there. And after three, four months, he's like, this sucks. I don't want to live here anymore. But that place over there is really, really nice. And that's how you just move back and forth all the time. Did you like moving? Good question. 
yes and no. It had benefits and it had negatives for sure. So I'd, I'd, I'd sum it up like this. The positive was I had to always meet new people. I always had to make new friends. Through that, I became a really good judge in character and I can read people really well. I can tell if you're a good person. I can tell if you're honest or I can tell if you're fake. And I'm really good at integrating myself into new groups of people and environments. Negative side, I never threw down roots anywhere. So I never like had a place which was like, oh, this is home. I live here, my friends. Oh, that guy who lives two streets down, that's Charlie. I've been, gone to grade school with him. Stuff like that. Never had that. I will say you have like a, I call him Party Gordon. <laughs> party Gordon? Yeah, you've got a Party Gordon mode where you like sink into this mode where you just walk into the room and you... You don't own the room, but you elevate the room. Like you just, you can talk to anyone. You're like super snappy and witty. And even if I know you well enough to tell that you don't really click with that person, they would never be able to tell because you're in party Gordon mode and you're just winning them over. And I always think when I see that come out, I'm like, that's from your moves, I, th- I imagine. That's, I'm a, that's, that's self-confidence skill. on, yeah. <laughs> But it is, I mean, it's something that you're really good at, but it's also a mode that you go into. It's not how you necessarily naturally are. It's a skill and you can kind of turn it on and off. And I get the feeling that you would rather not have to, but I do think it helps you in business. Oh, absolutely. I can sell you a cardboard box as a house. I'm good at that. I'm really good at presenting myself, selling myself. And if if I need to meet you and I need you to like me, I can make you like me. So... Learning how to read fake people is also give me the ability to become fake really well. <laughs> if I'm, I'm totally biased too, of course, right? But I think you're not, I think that's what makes people attract to you is that you're not fake. Even when you're kind of playing that role of being the super pre- people person, whatever. Well, how do it, you know? It somehow comes across as authentic, I, I think. <laughs> Though I suppose you don't know. Maybe I'm just really good at my job. Sometimes you just think maybe you have a second life I don't know about. <laughs> Not because you give me any signs of that, just because like you could pull it off. You could. Yeah. So who knows? <laughs> Keeps things exciting in the relationship. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, you never know. One day I might just be gone. Mm-hmm. And you'll find like my passport and all just with a different name. <laughs> But in terms of the negatives, like that's totally true too. And I remember that's something that we've had to to talk about because I am coming from a perspective of, I have had that. I, I know the last three people who lived in the house across the street from my parents' house because we've lived there, I mean, longer than I've been alive. And you you develop these this long-term memory and you know people and you know this area. And I have these friendships that are so important to me that I've had since I was a kid. And and it's so hard for me to explain it to you, like why it's so important. And I don't think I noticed at first that that you were viewing those somehow differently than I was viewing them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like to me, I'm like, they're my best friends. Obviously, it's clear what that means. And and not that you were disrespecting that, but like your concept of that was just different because you've never had someone that knew you. Well, you you do, actually. You have people who have known you since you were a kid, but you don't have the same thing where like I literally grew up with these people and, and they're like... I mean, I know people who have cousins who who feel that way about their cousins, where it's like, I don't see you every day, but I see you every week, and mm-hmm. you're always in my life, and you're always, it's second nature. That... More or less present. Yeah, essentially. yeah. Right. Yeah, I have a lot of friends like that. And that's just because moving back and forth and sort of having to always find yourself. You always, I would always say it's like, on average, about one to two people that I still stay in touch with really regularly and see a lot from that group of friends that I had moved into and then left again. 
I just read Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. And in it, she talks about how she grew up sort of in a similar scenario to mine, where she had her family, she had her community, her neighborhood, her family all lived in the area. And they were always like, you'd pop over to uh, that uncle's house or that grandpa's house, whatever. And then she ends up with Barack Obama, who grew up in a really kind of crazy upbringing where like his dad wasn't around, his mom moved around a lot, he moved around a lot, and his sense of community was something different. It was still very important to him, but um, but what that meant to them both was different. And so the longer they were in the relationship, at some point she realized like she was getting upset at him because he wasn't showing up for dinner. And in her experience, in her community growing up, that's how you show love is you show up. You show up without being questioned. And that's very much how I feel too. I, I don't think it should be a debate if I do certain things. I'm like, well, obviously I do. That's just how you, That's that's what love is, you know? But that's not fair and, and that's not true because there's all these other ways to show love. And and she pointed that out and said she had to learn that for Barack, it just wasn't logistically possible to show up for people all the time. And so how you showed love was something different. Um, how you showed love was in these little ways that make people feel connected to you, even if they don't spend time around you. And when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, that's exactly it. Because we've had that conversation too, where uh, whatever it might be, sometimes I get frustrated and I think it's the same thing where what I grew up thinking was obvious second nature, how you do things was totally different from how you grow up thinking <laughs> obvious second nature, you do things and learning that has been really interesting. Um, and I think people in your perspective, and there, there are a surprising amount of people who have grown up mm-hmm. either moving every couple of years or like you shifting back and forth between two places. And I think it does change how you understand these concepts. Yeah, it's the how do you see, how is it when you see that person again? And it's the contact every now and again. So I have friends that I won't speak to in half a year or three quarter of a year. And then I see them and it's exactly as if I had just seen them last week. And then we relish in all the, the, the past things we talk, we've done and talked about. And it makes things super special because that's called love for me. And, you, you know, there's... I I like to collectivize it like this. So there's the way of loving your family, which is like, I love my family. I want them around me all the time and whatever. They, they're part of me. And then you have your friends as well, but that's more of a friendship. Like, I love you, but get the heck away from me for half a year so then we can hang out again. But I know that sounds super harsh, but that's something I, I, I really have a lot in my friendships. And I think as people grow up, they go in that direction anyway for a lot of friendships. You know, you just don't have the time, the capacity to, to have this many this amount of people that you see every week you know as you grow your own interests and grow your own family then you have to kind of cut it down so i think that becomes normal and it's just a skill that you already have you know that's what really stands out to me about you especially you're a couple years younger than me or uh, three years younger than me and sometimes if i think about that i feel super weird about it (laughs) but i don't think about it really ever i mean i do when it comes up, like birthdays and whatever. But like other than, you know, it's not on my mind every day because I I think probably through these experiences, you've just gained so much knowledge about how to handle yourself independently that in many ways are things that I'm, as the older person, still learning. Did you ever have relationships and friendships that you wish had stayed even after you left, but they kind of fizzle out and and went into the background? Usually, no, because... I keep them alive, but it's been more, uh, I've had friendships fizzle out, not because of the distance, but because people have gone different ways in their life. Like one good friend of me from, uh, Lindau, uh, he sort of just never really picked off or took off in life. 
and he was just sort of still just sort of surfing around just vegetating around and not really didn't have a lot of aspirations and then you know you try and stay in contact with someone like that and then it's like so what are you up to doing lately it's like ah nothing really new and then at some point they they sort of tend to they often like take steps back themselves so it's not really you who's like ah I haven't talked to him in so long I'm not going to call him it's more they don't pick up the phone Hmm. did you ever have a choice about moving did you get a say in it (sighs) yes and no maybe uh, I, I, I wasn't a smart kid, so I don't really, I think I might've had a choice, but I also, I also was very easily influenced by, by, by parents and, and friends and family. So I, uh, I also just sort of, from, from thinking back, I feel more like it was just, just happened. It was just like, Gordon, you're moving to the U.S. Gordon, you're moving to Germany. Sort of like that back and forth. Did you ever feel bitter about it? No, I was an angry teenager. That for sure. Sure. I got I got into a lot of trouble as a teenager all the time, but not really as a grown up. Not really bitter. I'm happy about it. It made me it made me uh, pretty flexible in life. That's actually something interesting too. You've told me like at some point when you were a teenager, a young teenager in Florida, you were sort of going in a certain direction that maybe your parents were nervous about, and so then they made the decision to have you go back to Germany and sort of totally take you out of that environment. And that seems like a real benefit of your scenario is like a lot of people if they're heading in that direction they don't have a way out they're kind of stuck in it and they have to f- find other friends and start over or not or you know and, mm-hmm. and also you do sort of when you're like that the way the way I was you find those people almost anywhere so it's not of course taking you out of that environment and putting you into a new environment can definitely help but you have to want to change and um, I mean Some people don't want to change. So you move them out of that environment, put them in a new one, and they just strive back into the same environment, just in a different place. Really. Do you think that was the case for you? A little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But also the friends that I then had and the town I was living in. I mean, you can't compare drug usage in Florida compared to Lindau, Germany. Like that's not, it's not even close. Um, But I'm sure some of the friends I had back then and the way it was going was also not the best uh, sort of way. In which place are you saying? Both. (laughs) (laughs) The U.S. was definitely worse. Okay. So uh, two of my friends from back then have already died from drug overdoses. So, I mean, that's the the path that was going. And um, then with people in Germany, that's more of them like not really having taken off in life. Sort of just still hanging out in the same little village, same little, doing the same things every day since they've been 14. No aspirations, no goals in life, not going anywhere. So uh, at some point I just, I mean, I was also put into a boarding school, which was half my choice. Um, so being then surrounded like people like that, that come from wealthy families and, and, and entrepreneurial families and stuff that really, uh, I feel like put me on the right path. Yeah, even though... It's so funny, like in the time that we've known each other, even your opinion about that experience has shifted. Yeah, well, it's hard. Not really, in a sense, because I, I, I hated the Obrigkeit, what you would call it in German. So like the, uh, the, um, the, you had the obedience you had to show and the rules that were set in place and the, and the way things were run. Like I always looked at them and I questioned them and I was like, this is stupid. This is dumb. I'm not doing this. But I was forced to conform to it. So that's why... That's why the experience I had there I disliked. Um, but also, 
the the people that I met there, I I never regretted that. That never changed either. So it was more, I'm just more vocal about it maybe, and it's become more clear to me. Where if I used to just say like, yeah, it sucked. Now I can differentiate like, that sucked. This was great. Do you mm-hmm. feel German and American? Yeah. Do you feel more one than the other? Yeah, more German. But that's because I spent more time in Germany, especially in the last 10 years. But I do notice a lot that I'm still American. And a lot of my German friends do as well. Like the way I view things, the way I talk, the way I handle things. It's also a lot like my mom. It's a lot of like the head through the wall method, <laughs> which is I feel like very American. So, so um, I sort of got that. Yeah, I, I always stick back to 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 that being half American. Like I am half. I might feel more German because I spent more time in German, Germany, but I am half American. And I'm super proud of it. Do you tell people? USA. USA. <laughs> U- sorry. Uh, I do. Yes. Always? Yeah. Yeah. No. Often. Often. <laughs> if, you, if you meet me at some point within the next, I don't know, 30 minutes of conversation is going to come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've, I don't, I can't think of an example, but I feel like there have been times where you don't like immediately out yourself as half other well with business especially you need to you need to scope the person out you can't just people will have opinions and don't throw anything out there that people are likely going to have an opinion on especially if it's older people you know people like let's say in their 40s 50s like you've met those people too some germans they hear americans oh they're americans always going for the oil or whatever like that's (laughs) that's the whole film that just plays off in their mind so if I know that that person's like that or if I suspect that the person can be like that, because those are often more cynical types of people, people who are prone to judgment, people who um, come to conclusions also fairly quickly. And you can usually tell that within the first two minutes of speaking to someone, I'll just keep it away from them. If I do bring it into, I'll use it to my advantage. Like you can actually, because there's also, people always combine positive things with negatives as well. So they might be, People might talk bad about America always being in war everywhere or whatever you want to say, but also a lot of people respect the entrepreneurial side of the U.S. So if you're talking to someone who's interested in starting businesses, you can bring that in. It's like, ah, yeah, half American. It's part of my, it's part of my culture too. It's, it's, it's in me, you know? Yeah, I actually think that that's makes a real thing sense. though. Yeah, I, I think that's one of those areas where when I look at you and your, your career path, you're very entrepreneurial. And I think your cultural mix-up, if you will, really is beneficial to you because you're German enough that you understand the rules here. You you have all this basis knowledge that as an immigrant, you know, you wouldn't have. You, you really need to grow up somewhere to know these kind of things. You have all that. You, at the same time, though, have this American mentality in you where you know rules are sometimes suggestions and innovations just a part of how you are and and you can kind of play that up because that's a thing in germany they they want innovation there's so many conversations about startups and all this stuff but at the same time they have very minimal willingness to loosen up on the rules in any way shape or form and (laughs) it's so frustrating but also i love um, it yeah you can you can play really well into that and you and you get it yeah well, another part of it also that I have from my American side is also through my mom uh, in Germany called Dreisigkeit or Frechheit, which is just sort of like you do things in a way where 
people wouldn't do it just because maybe it's not that acceptable, but they'll never notice that you actually just did that. So I love doing that. <laughs> like, it's kind of. Do you have an example? I mean, I could bring up the pesto klepto thing. I was thinking that too. <laughs> like the pesto klepto. Okay, I'm I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> so I am the pesto klepto. You're welcome for the name, by yeah, the way. That's, uh, that goes props Nicole here. Bam, bam. Yeah. So essentially what it is, I refuse to pay a lot of money for pesto. I'm also too lazy to make it myself. So that's coming in my bag and that's coming home. And the way that's coming in my bag and coming home is maybe what you could say is dreist. It's like, for instance, you just put it in the side pocket of the bag that you show the lady. So like you have the bag open. She wants to look in your bag to see if you're stealing something, but you hold it in a way or you open it and you give her what she wants to see those, so that she's not going to ask more questions. That's something that you could say is like frech or dreist. It's so bad that that's your American side, you know, it's like we're really good at like ripping people off and stealing things, but also it kind of is true. <laughs> I mean, I've told you about my mom. My mom wasn't afraid to do some sneaky things. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, the, the, best part, the best story was I was in, with her in a jewelry store. And uh, it was one of those cheap jewelry stores. So it wasn't like she took something that was worth a lot of money. But it was like you could go around, you could try them on. And then she put on this necklace and she just didn't take it off. And she just walked out with that necklace on. And then we were sitting in the car in front of the store. She was like, oh, I walked out with the necklace. Whoops. <laughs> Drives off. I guess this is coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, there is something American about stuff like that. I think Americans are very good at breaking rules effectively. Mm. They go too far. See, fire convention documentary. The fire festival. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, we're problem solvers, Nicole. We <laughs> <laughs> Which they're clearly not. But anyway, that's sidebar. Um, Honestly, real quick though, fire festival, anyone who's seen it, those are not entrepreneurs. <laughs> Sorry. Give you a entrepreneurs bad name. Entrepreneurs plan. They, they actually have a concept when they go into things. Those dudes just had a lot of money, a basic idea, and they started throwing it to the wind. That's all they did. Yeah. But I'm glad it happened because it's super funny to laugh at now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, overall, well, including stealing and rule breaking, <laughs> that attitude, you don't always have to apply it to things like stealing and rule breaking it can also be applied to um going outside the traditional route to to get to a new solution for something or yeah when i was trying to figure out the name and the telephone number of the person in charge for the svfl which is like the studentverwaltung the gastronomy part of the of the thing because i wanted to talk to them to get my kombucha in there so uh so it's, a, it's the administration responsible for restaurants on campus yeah yeah and i needed to i needed that guy's name so I went into the office of this lady called Frau Klinger and, or I knew his name, but I didn't have his number and they didn't want to give me this number because they don't want people to just call him sort of, but I was in her office and then she had like a whole table with all the contact and Deutschwein numbers for the people that work there. And then I like photographed that and got his number that way. That's a good example, too, but it's another slightly devious example. Yeah. There's got to be examples where being an American is like, <laughs> well, let's good say, well, <laughs> well, the, following uh, citizens. okay, something good that's rule following is essentially just having the idea and the courage and going for it. And it's not being like, I need a safety net and then I have another safety net. And oh, if, if all those break, I got that safety net. It's like, no, you, some point you're just going to be building safety nets. And I think a large part of the American process is just going with your head through the wall is just you 
you grab yourself up, like grab, pick yourself up on your bootstraps. That's what they say in English. And then you just go for it and you just do it. Yeah. And you solve problems when they arise. And as you go, it's an in motion process. Whereas in Germany, it's sit down, think of every possible problem that could possibly arise, solve them all preemptively, come up with procedures and then yeah, forward. Absolutely. And the other thing that's also American is not taking no for an answer. I feel like that's very American, so that's positive. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's uh, you call someone, or let's say you need a, you need some partner for this part of your business deal, and you call two of them, and they both tell you no. So Germans would tend to be more like, ah, okay, well then I'll think of another option. Where Americans will then take the phone book and they will call every single person that has even remotely to do with this, until they finally end up at someone who will give them the time of the day that they need to persuade them. So I'd say that's also very American. Yeah, that's, there we go. Now I feel better about <laughs> representing my culture. <laughs> so super theoretical situation coming your way. Ooh. <laughs> so if you met someone who, let's say they have kids, they're from two different cultures and they're trying to figure out how to do this, what, as a kid like that yourself, would you advise them if they asked? <laughs> no one needs unsolicited parenting advice, but if they asked you, what would you say? Uh, I'd ask them what type of people they want their children to become. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then what? (laughs) Well, then whatever their answer is, you know, that's what it comes down to. If you want your child to have a a very safe environment with very stable things basically throughout their life and sort of have a usually more, more, more simplistic but safe and stable life that they can build on, have like a foundation... They want their kids to more go full risk in life, bring them all over the place. You know, I actually partially asked that because we met someone yesterday who was in that scenario and I thought your comment was really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So you said that you think the most important thing in a scenario like that is to maintain some form of stability and you would specifically said in the form of a home. Yeah, having at least some basis that you can always return to. It doesn't need to be technically a home. It can also just be like a whole a whole family. You know, that can also work as a home. So like you guys move together as a group and stay together when you're moving. For me, it was my mom was in the US, my dad was in Germany. So that was also one of the root causes why I moved back and forth is the one parent's over there, the other parent's over there. And you never, and it's not like they live across the city where you can just, take your bike and go over there. No, it's the other side of the world. And that sort of, you know, can also function as a, as a base. If you just have some sense of foundation, it can be a home that you always return to, it can be a family that sticks together. Do you think you had any aspect of that growing up? What was your stability? Maybe Zimmerberg, which is the old house my grandparents built. That was probably the most stability. But we didn't always live there. It was mostly always just a weekend sort of a thing that we would retreat to every now and again. But that was always the same thing we always came back to. Or maybe um, my grandma's house in North Carolina. When I go there for Christmas or whatever, I'm like, oh, I feel at home. It's sort of like a home base as well. Because that's a place that I've always reoccurringly came to. Never had an apartment or a house that we lived in where I reoccurringly came to. Uh, My family was always essentially split up, except for when I was little. When I was little, we always stayed together. But even when I was little, it was then like my brother and I moved to the U.S. My dad was supposed to come after, but then never really did. And then they, then we went back over and sort. So there was never that foundation of a family that stuck together that moved around. 
What I think is so fascinating, though, is your family still has the house your grandparents built in Germany, and it's been a discussion of you guys should keep it or, or sell it and and you're really unsentimental about it and I know that this is kind of that place for you and and I'm always so amazed that you're relatively accepting of the concept of selling it yeah one of the first things I learned when I was getting interested into entrepreneurial work and becoming an entrepreneur is like if it comes to financial decisions if it comes to important decisions be as unemotional as possible so of course I'm I would be emotional if we sold that house because I love that house and I want that to be my base. But at the same time, I know that's the right thing to do. And then I can turn off my emotions and I can handle it. So that's why I seem unemotional. I am emotional, but it's more on the inside. This is your German side, I would say. <laughs> I mean, that, that practicality, that emotional, internal emotional experience, not an external emotional experience. Yeah. And I can switch between that. Yeah. I'm good at that. Mm. Did you ever think about moving to the U.S. as an adult? Yeah, because as a kid, I wanted to join the Marines. Well, and I know now that we're together, that's something that's been important to me is that we both agree that should I decide that I want to move back to the States, that you that's something that you would consider. Mm -hmm. But it didn't seem to me that you necessarily had that planned outside of us. You know, like if you did that, it would be more a thing you were doing at my request, so to say, and not something that you were like, ah, yeah, that's that's what's going to be for me. Yeah. So at the at the state I am right now, I, I'm so comfortable in Germany. America is still more of a place that I can also f feel comfort in. But it's also often when I go there, I've become so German through staying so much time here that after a couple of months, I'll just things really start to bother me when I'm in the US. It's like the garbage situation. For this is a, That's the one that laughs in my face every single day is in the u.s people just throw their trash in the same bag and the recycling that's not recycling you just have two containers now in germany you have more a whole bunch you have you, you separate glass by its color for christ's sake come on that's maybe overkill but that's also one thing where when you go to throw something into the trash which is what something you do every single day and you're so used to doing it in Germany where you split everything. And in that sense, you're, you know when you're splitting it, you're splitting it for a reason. And that's to help the environment. And because it's more practical and they have this whole system in place where when you go in America or when I go in to throw something away in the U.S., it's like I'm putting the styrofoam in the same bag with the apple. That just how that there's no way that's good for the world no, in any not. sense. But I get a little thrill out of it. It's just so easy and it feels bad. You well, know, it is bad. It is bad. It is bad. <laughs> it feels bad because it is bad. Yeah. But the, the thrill you also get out of it. And I guess also maybe the thrill has increased. Let me ask you this. Has the thrill increased since you've lived in Germany? Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I didn't think. I mean, it wasn't a thing before. Yeah. It was just what you do. Actually, it hurt me before I was because I was like, it's so bad. I wish we had better infrastructure for this. But since living here and having to like tear apart my item into separate pieces to go in the separate trash bins. Yeah, I think it's great when I just throw something into a giant bin. I'm like, man, look at me go. And I mean, I do mostly feel bad. And if it could be different, I would be happy to have it different. But you know what I'm saying? Where where mm -hmm. sometimes it's just like, ha. Ah, <laughs> yeah, so I, I can definitely see what you mean. It's it's I I would compare it mostly to the being like, like yeah, like screw this. I'm gonna do what I want. Like rules or or, or I, I I guess I would go for feeling. If I was trying to refeel that, I would be more that. Yeah, just be like the. 
No one's going to tell me what to do. No government, no yeah, garbage but- <laughs> system. I can just do what I want. Look at this. Star Your America foam. comes out. Can even break it in two so it's harder for the environment to, to digest it. <laughs> How is it when you're in America and then you're like the German American? Well, growing up, I got picked on a lot. They, I mean, especially when we were learning about the Holocaust, that was a hard time. Mm. People, people didn't like me. I can just imagine like the whole class slowly turning. Oh, absolutely. There was a scene, there was, I'm not kidding you. So we, we sat down into the, into the school library and, um, like 50 people and it was, they showed us like a 20, 30 minute documentary about the Holocaust. And then at the end they showed us pictures of that little children had drawn but i remember at one point i like i sat all the way in the front and i turned around and everybody knew i was german that was never something i i, I hid and also my spelling was really bad and i spoke funny because i had lived in germany just before that for five years and i remember turning around everybody just glaring at me with just pure hatred so that was one thing that wasn't fun and often you know, kids would, would, would throw slurs at my head. And um, so that's where I sort of really learned how to stand up for myself. I got into, I, that's where it started with me getting into a lot of fistfights growing up as a kid because people would pick on me because I was the German in the U.S. And then people would pick on me because I'm the American in Germany. But then after that, nowadays when I'm in America, Americans are more, they ask me way more about how do, how is it in Germany than Germans ask me about how is it in the U.S. So if we're, sitting doing something talking about a topic or whatever americans are more likely to ask like oh so how do they do that in germany how is it the same way do they view it differently or whatever where uh, in germany we talk about it and germans don't really think about how do they do it in in the, in the u.s across the pond so we're gonna wrap it up now we're gonna to use some american phrases round the corner head to home <laughs> with our ending <laughs> segment called zack 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 home run <laughs> I'm going to ask you three questions, rapid fire. You're going to answer them without thinking it, overthinking it. Go with your gut. All right. You ready? All right. I am. Let's do this. What is your favorite holiday to celebrate in America? Thanksgiving. If you could choose to be from any country in the world, what would you choose? New Zealand. And the last, the hardest question, the most real question, which country has better food? Germany. Leave. Not even, what's that? That's not a deep question. For sure, Germany. What? The Krauts. The Krauts. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. America is is basically the best answer because it's cheating because they have every food in the world in one place. That's the American answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good answer. I was mentally at the German side. Like you wanted an actual opinion. What? The American thing is a real opinion. Well, it's, it is, sorry. It is a real opinion, but it's about cheating. Remember? <laughs> I guess it's true. <laughs> oh. All right. You got any more for me? No, this, this was the last easy. one. I just think you're wrong about the last I one. Just, <laughs> so I'm trying to teach you. I feel like sometimes in our relationship, it's like me trying to elevate the percentage of you that is American where I'm like, no, 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 no. No. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, I guess too. But I, I always fight it because I'm just like, you, you do it for me. Yeah. You be the American here. American around. Go play American. <laughs> I'm going to go America now. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show. You've never actually, I mean, you've been on the show mostly when I want to talk about something, but I don't want to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just once so far. Yeah. But was so it, was really, it was really cool to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me on in our new little apartment. <laughs> yeah, this is our first time recording in the new apartment. So hopefully the audio quality is good. Thank you also for that. Thank you for 
setting the the mics up today no because problem. a new apartment has a new scenario and it's out of the routine it's out of the routine and i appreciate your help no problem <laughs> all right adios zali As I've been mentioning on social media, this wonderful new podcasting-friendly apartment has one flaw so far. It does not have Wi-Fi. We finally ordered it. And what would be really cool to see when I finally get back online and catch up on responding to social media and emails and what have you, it would be really cool to see some new iTunes reviews. So please do go ahead and leave a comment, a rating, a review on your podcast app of choice. Leave me with a nice surprise when I finally get Wi-Fi, which got I hope it's soon. <laughs> Thank you to Amy Lungi Art for the logo and to Side Hug for the theme music. You can find them on Instagram at a hug from the side. Next week's episode was inspired by The Bachelor and launched into a whole discussion of things that we hated at home but now we miss from home. Until then, have a great week.